I'm Parham Dustar, and you're listening to The Change Club. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Change Log, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 206, and today, Jared and I are talking to Parham Dustar, a blind programmer. We talked to Parham about the advantages of being a blind programmer, the tools he uses, quitting school, carving your own path, and more. We also couldn't stop using visual words when talking to him, and even he couldn't help himself either, so you'll hear us laugh a little bit in this show. We got three sponsors on this show, TopTal, Rollbar, and Linode. Our first sponsor of the show is our friends at TopTal, the best place to work as a freelance software developer. If you're freelancing right now and you're looking for ways to work with top clients, work on things that are challenging you, interesting to you, technologies you want to use, TopTal is definitely the place for you. Top companies rely upon TopTal freelancers every single day for their most mission-critical projects. And at TopTal, you'll be part of a worldwide community of engineers and designers. They have a huge Slack community, very much like family. You'll be able to travel, blog on the TopTal engineering blog and design blog, apply for open source grants. Head to TopTal.com to learn more. That's T-O-P-T-A-L.com to learn more. Or email me, Adam at ChangeLaw.com, if you prefer a more personal introduction to our friends at TopTal. And now, on to the show. when we're here today uh jerry we got a, an interesting guest here today we've never had mm-hmm. someone uh who's blind on the show and this came from an issue we got parham dustar on the show and and uh where did this issue come from like what was the what was the premise behind this yeah we have to give a thanks to listener omid azava who probably butchered the last name there omid sorry about that from finland um who pinged us on our uh, repo on github that's just what is it? GitHub.com slash the changelog slash ping, where we take all sorts of suggestions as well as news and uh, repos and stuff like that, um, pointing us towards uh, Param and saying, uh, this is an interesting fella. He's overcome uh, being blind in order to be a backend developer. And he seems like an inspirational person. So I hadn't heard of you before, Param. I uh, appreciate the, the ping there, Omid, as well as... Um, Another person came in, Salar, Salar, gosh, I don't know, I'm not doing so well here, with names, Salar Kaboli, yeah. thank you, who also added, not only does he type and code in English, he types and reads Persian, or Farsi, as well, this is very difficult in general, and I admire him, so uh, you got some admirers out there, Param, and thanks for joining us. Hi, it's great to be here, and thanks for uh, inviting me, and thanks to Omid and Salar, who... Are, well, they seem to be originally Iranian, so that's okay. um, thanks to them also for pointing me out. It's it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I was yeah. gonna say you handled their names w- with way more grace than I did. So yeah, um, so yeah, that, that that's sense. because they're Iranian. I just got a hint. <laughs> got a hint. Gotcha. Was it the last names that that got it, or was it the first names? Uh, well, I just I actually talked to them on on Twitter. Uh, oh, nice. Solar is actually one of the guys who uh, worked on a really useful library um, on GitHub, and uh, I actually first noticed his name when I was writing an article for SitePoint, and his his name always came in as the most popular um, GitHub contributor in Tehran. So, so if hmm. you go to my article on on SitePoint, he's like at the top. So I'm like, who is this guy? So that's how I actually met him first. 
Hmm. Very cool. Maybe the best way to open this up, since uh, this is a first for us, uh, Parham, is that you can help us put some definitions behind things. Like we've never had somebody who's had uh, what some might consider a disability, being blind or without sight. How do you describe how you are, your condition? How do you describe it? What words are the right words to use? Well, um, it's kind of hard to say, but I actually consider myself as being blind, which is like I'm blind. So I think the first step to knowing yourself is accepting yourself as who you are. So uh, this came to me when I was like um, nine or 10, and you might not believe this, but even my family don't use the word blind with me. It's like, it, it doesn't really make them feel well. It, it makes people feel like you're lacking something. And right. it, they don't really want to induce this feeling inside you. So they, um, they start coming up with all, with all these words, like differently abled and... Um, I don't know, we have a lot of those here. So, and I actually think a lot of people use differently able, but the fact is that before you can actually grow as a person, you need to accept your shortcomings, your weaknesses, your, your strengths. And instead of seeing handicapped people or, or uh, you know, like um, blindness as a um, weakness, we could actually see it as a feature, which would allow us to see its weaknesses and positive sides both at once, which would allow us to, you know, use it um, and abuse it sometimes. Mm. So, so you know, it's, it's just like a feature in, in any software. When you start adding a feature, you're probably missing out on a few stuff. So, mm. so if, we, if you look at your life like that, then it's, it starts becoming, you know, kind of an experiment that you can improve on. I liked what you had said about choosing your own path and embracing your blindness as part of how you carve out your own path in life and uh, how you may not be able to do the things that everyone else does the same way they do. So for those reasons, you can't you know, go down the same path. You can't go into Stack Overflow and follow the same path someone else does to a solution. You kind of have to take a step back because of your different features and, and choose the path that actually fits for you. And I, I think that's kind of a an interesting way to start the show simply because so many might look at and Jared and I look at your life and we look at the way you describe yourself and what you've done is, is like uh, with superpowers. Like you've got things and you've got ways of doing things that Jared and I just can't appreciate and some of the listening audience because we have sight and you don't have sight. And so I kind of wanted to put that out there first to sort of determine, you know, what the best way is to describe how you are, you know, so we didn't obviously offend you or, you know, go down an assumed path and be like, man, we really messed up there. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's actually um, great to, you know, one of the uh, really great stuff that people like you and Jared do is that they start introducing uh, like blind people or different kinds of uh, disabled people. So what you do is raise awareness and that's really cool because uh, people will get more comfortable. You know, I you won't believe how many times I've had people not talking to me because they're like, they're uh, afraid of offending me. Like at yeah, conferences yeah. that I've been to, they're like, uh, how can I even start a conversation with a guy who's blind and codes? And I'm like, mm. well, I'm, I'm not a, an abomination, you know, you can just, I don't bite. <laughs> uh, so I think there's this, this um, I can speak that a little bit because I, I think that, I might be that person sometimes and I don't want to be that person. 
but I can catch myself in moments of that kind of situation where it's sort of like a, a paral uh, paralyzation where I kind of get paralyzed by, uh, I guess, yeah, I just sense. sort of some sort of fear, you know, that uh, I don't want to offend you or, you know, and it's just like this potentially awkward situation and people don't like to feel awkward. You know, let's, let's agree yeah, with that. And so for those yeah. reasons, you just sort of like, just don't get involved with something. You sort of, sort of avoid it. Some people call it anxiety, you know, whatever. But yeah. uh, I might be that person sometimes. So I apologize in advance for anyone, if ever I ever uh, do that. No, no. Uh, you know, the, the point of what I said is that when when you you see me and you're like, oh, I don't actually know this guy, but I heard another podcast about some other blind guy who did X and Y. Mm -hmm. right. and, I, and that's how, well, let, let's just go talk to him. You know, the fact that you have actually heard um, someone speak about his blindness gives you more of a courage and what you guys are doing is awesome because you know you're you're just helping the blind uh well not just the blind but you get my drift but right, but sure. you're help, helping people integrate themselves with people with disabilities right. so thanks for that well, let's uh, let's dig into, I guess, uh, you more so than us. We appreciate, obviously, you giving us a pat on the back. You know, one thing we try to do with this show is is shine a spotlight in areas where it's just not being shined, and to to lift those up who don't often get the credit. And you might look at our past shows and see big names and small names, so to speak. But we try to really focus on uh, you know the positive side of this, this community and to shed light in areas where it's not being shed. And so. With with that said, let's let's open up your backstory. Let's figure out where you came from, what got you into uh, programming, where where you what your origin story is. So let's start there with you. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I was actually born blind, which is a really great thing because I didn't lose my sight in in the middle of my life, which would probably push me into a period of depression where I would think, mm. why me? And you know, all these uh, you totally useless thought so in my childhood i started thinking about um what i could and could not do well, well at, in the very beginning it was like um i started uh slowly realizing that i could not do a few things this was like when i was eight or nine years old and this was mostly coming from the side of my family and my friends who constantly were so smart to point out the stuff that i couldn't do I actually wrote a response on about this on Quora about uh, what was the worst thing that I went through in my life. So this is kind of like a recap of that. So um, what happened was that slowly I started to um, to think of myself as someone who couldn't really do anything. So it's like, uh, you know, a, a few days back I was running around and climbing up walls even though I couldn't see. And all this was all through touch, you know. So... Uh, and then one day I'm like, well, what if I fall? You know, what if I start just, I don't know, break my neck or something? So let's just not go there anymore, right? Let's just, um, um, let's start being really quiet and not having much fun, even though that's fun, but let's not do it because it's dangerous, you know? So um, this is the kind of stuff that people really get when when they want to i don't know like start a new business but this was more of a life issue for me like how do i want to continue my life and at, at some point when i got like 14 or 15 i started really getting mad at myself for putting myself into this position i was like um you can't really go on live on, living like this because 
you can't really stop doing what you like to do simply because it's dangerous. You know, this is the time that you can risk for free because I was always being told that when you get older, you can't really risk because the, the cost starts getting high. So um, I kind of started changing paths again. And uh, I started working on a computer, even though, well, I'm in Iran and we, we have been embargoed and sanctioned for a very long time. So uh, you, you don't really get much of a, you know, like technical background here. And the computers were really new back then. So I was like, um, okay, let's just see how we can use a computer. And um, there was this woman at my school who actually uh, told me about the software that could read a, a screen for the blind. And my parents were like, well, he can see the screen. He can't really use that. But after like two or three days where I figured out the system, through brute force, you know, I would just press keys and see what happened. So, so they started thinking like, well, this could work. And I, I got a PC from my uh, parents. So that brought me into the world of uh, computers in the very beginning. And, um, well, we didn't really have internet access back then. It was, uh, uh, you know, like at some certain hours, like five o'clock AM to nine o'clock AM only, but after a few months, um, the internet access in Iran kind of improved and I got a dial-up internet access. So in the beginning, I was just playing text-based games on the internet. They are called MUDs, like multi-user dungeons. Um, they're kind of a, a tabletop RPG turned into a text-based game that is interactive. So you type in commands, uh, you get in the output. It's like, um, it's like a command prompt. Or, or a command line application. And that's actually what where they originated from. So uh, this was how I got introduced to English. And I had to know English really well to be able to play. So this kind of led me to get my uh, you know, English teaching degree when I was 17. So that really jump-started my English, which actually jump-started my programming because I now could read stuff. And uh, I started playing around with PHP when I was 18. Uh, I was going to a university to study computers and everyone was against this decision because there weren't any books. And uh, I had actually studied mathematics in high school and I sucked at mathematics and I still do. <laughs> but uh, I kind of got through all that because I had no books. And I, uh, you know, the education system um, does not allow for, for blindness in, in mathematics and stuff. So I'll, I'll actually get to that. Um, later in the show. But um, what happened was that I uh, got a, um, you know, I uh, went to the university and uh, I couldn't actually learn anything because all the stuff was on a board. So I couldn't really read the board. No one would read me the board. So I switched to actually trying stuff at home, which led me to have great marks when it came to programming courses. But really low marks when it came to theoretical courses, which I actually left the university for with just an associate's degree. And I got a job offer from a Canadian company, which actually started my uh, official professional uh, career as a PHP developer. And I saw that in, uh, in your post there about your quitting school and the constant pressure of, of trying to deal with professors who wouldn't, who just kind of wanted to get their job done because 
I guess like anybody, we might feel like we're being bothered by someone's, uh, you know, features or disability, um, and, and having to do extra work, I guess, to, to help somebody get by. It's a, it's kind of crazy how that plays out that way. And we all kind of navigate this world with, um, and we all kind of think about someone else's situation, but, and we try to have empathy, but I guess we only have so much empathy potentially. And then you sort of like, oh, I, can't, I can't deal with that. And so and for those reasons, mm-hmm. you kind of were, uh, you know, pushed into quitting school, which is, which is not cool. But then it also led you to brute forcing it, which I totally uh, can identify with because I think Jerry would also agree that a lot of us just brute yes. force our ways into most things. And I liked how you said you would just sort of hammer the keys or, you know, hit the keys and figure out what happens. And I guess I'm assuming listen, but I can totally identify with that portion. That's what I do all day. <laughs> just kind of hit the keys and see what happens. Hit the keys and see what happens. There you go. Um, yeah, I actually do control S and then go and refresh the page and see what happens. But I get what you're meaning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I actually, I think the problem is that most of, most people who teach are not actually given the toolkit to teach effectively. They just, you know, using a book as a reference and going through that blindly. Well, uh, excuse the pun, but you know (laughs) what I'm... (laughs) So so what happens is that, uh, you know, a lot of people actually wanted to help, but one, they didn't have enough base knowledge to answer my question. Like uh, a lot of visualization in teaching and I get that a lot, and recently too, because I'm preparing to get a job offer from from uh, another country so that I can relocate. But uh, the biggest hurdle that I've faced so far is the teaching of algorithms. And this stuff is so complicated that people start using images to convey meaning. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that it's so complicated that you haven't really practiced actually saying it. So you don't even know how to say it. Like if, if I was to say, okay, like for someone who wants to learn data science, because I tried that too and failed. But if I start to say, like, ask you, why on earth do you plot data on a, on a, on a plot? Like, why do you actually put things on a plot? Like, why don't you just uh, figure out the relations between the values by going through them? Why, why should you draw them on a X and Y axis? Then you couldn't really answer that without a really deep knowledge of how the brain works. And we don't really have that in Iran. I don't even think we have that kind of deep knowledge in the United States in professors that teach in the university mm-hmm. in, in programming. Because if they had that much knowledge, they'd be teaching like psychology, I guess, or NLP. I don't know. But but you get what I mean. Uh, so, so what happens is that people don't really have the knowledge to help, even though they want to help. So what they do is they start getting defensive because mm-hmm. they, they have come up against this this problem that they can't solve. So they're like, uh, I don't know. This guy just doesn't exist. So let's go on to teaching. You know, so that's yeah. kind of it's the like a problem you can't quite ignore, but yet it's there. And, you know, yeah, I, I feel you on that front. It's it's a terrible I mean, I, I, I can even uh, identify with being in that position before where you sort of hit some sort of hurdle, maybe not an exact person or something like that in this case, but you know, where you hit this hurdle and you just, it's just easier to ignore it and move on rather than actually face the problem and deal with it and, mm-hmm. and actually help the person if it's a, you know, if it's in this situation, you know? Yeah. And one thing I started to hear a lot and I actually identified with was like, dude, how much am I getting paid for this job? Like, I don't really want to do this, you know? 
And I actually hmm. identify with that, but um, I don't know. I think somewhere down the line, we actually need to focus on these kinds of problems because, you know, I was actually talking about this with Sakib Sheikh that you might know with the, you know, he came up with the idea of AI glasses that you just, uh, I think you might have seen the video. It's a, a glasses made by a Microsoft engineer who's blind and uh, you know, he takes in photos and then AI actually starts reading stuff for him and hmm. uh, identifying images. So um, he just kind of made it to Hacker News front page just at the same time that I did. So that was kind of a coincidence. But it was kind of a dream for me to talk to someone at Microsoft, so that was cool. But uh, we were actually talking about this, and I was just telling him that uh, even sighted people can actually uh, use this kind of information because not everyone learns through images. You know, at some point, we need to focus on what different methods for teaching there are for when we want to teach mathematics. So, like in terms of mathematics, is so. Uh, theoretical that no one has even bothered to look at different ways of teaching it. So what has happened is that there is only one path and you have to take that path only. Whereas in programming, you have a lot of different paths. Like mm. I learned programming without reading a single book, but I, I actually did improve with reading books. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just as affected with, with, with books like um, clean code, just as it has affected a lot of people. But mm-hmm. um, but you can actually code without doing clean coding, you know. Uh, so so there are a lot of different paths for learning programming because it has been made simple. But for learning different contexts or concepts like like mathematics, well, that doesn't really work well, and algorithms too. Well, we want to hear, uh, Pyram, not just uh, how you got here, but we also want to hear about how you go about your work, how you go about your learning, your experimentation. So we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we want to hear from you on the tools you use, uh, the struggles that you have, and uh, some of the solutions that maybe you've come up with. And um, I think everybody's excited to hear that from you. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Rollbar puts errors in their place. Full stack error tracking for all applications in any language. And I talked to Brian Rude, the CEO and co-founder of Rollbar, deeply about what Rollbar is, what problem it solves, and why you should use it. Take a listen. How do you build software faster? Like, how do you build better software faster? Um, and there are like there are tons and tons of, of aspects to that. Like, and Ruby is like you can you have a better language, you can have better frameworks that help you be more expressive and more productive. So the flip side of that is like after you've built something that works, or at least mostly works, how do you like go about getting it from working to like in production and actually working? How do you cover the edge cases? How do you find things you missed? How do you iterate on it quickly? And that's kind of where what we're trying to do comes in. So we're trying to say after you've shipped your software, you're not done. You know you. So there's still work to do, and we want to help make that process of maintaining and polishing and, and keeping things running smoothly be really, really, really easy. So like developers spend roughly half their time debugging, right? So anything we can do to make that process better is going to have a huge impact. All right, that was Brian Ruse, CEO and co-founder of Rollbar, sharing with you exactly why it fits, why it works for you. Head to rollbar.com slash changelaw. You get the bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. That's basically 300,000 errors tracked totally for free. Give Rollbar a try today. Again, head over to rollbar.com slash changelog. 
All right, we are back, and we want to learn about the tools you use. Recently, Param, you wrote a blog post titled The Tools of a Blind Programmer. Uh, if you're listening along, check that out in the show notes. We'll link it up. And there you go through all the different tools you use and kind of why the ones that you pick, uh, which ones help you, which ones don't. Can you walk us through that? I know we have some broad categories of screen readers and languages and IDEs, operating systems, productivity tools. Maybe pick a path through there and uh, tell us what tools you use and maybe start with screen readers because that seems like the major one. Um, I'm actually going to assume that uh, people don't really start going through that. So I'm just going to give a quick TLDR. Sure. Um, Well, a screen reader is, you know, a software that reads the screen. I'm using NVDA, which is an open source uh, screen reader, uh, which is programmed by the blind. And um, it's actually done by a nonprofit organization called Non-Visual Desktop Access. That's what NVDA stands for. And it's only a Windows screen reader. And unlike what most people think, you can't really take a Windows screen reader and just uh, install that into Linux and hope that it works. Because the APIs that these you know screen readers use, the operating system APIs are so low level that you can't really just uh, copy one to the other OS and just get that to work. So um, there, there is a screen reader for uh, Linux. It's called Orca. It works on the GNOME environment. And it doesn't really work on the console. But for console, you've got SpeakUp. And um, I actually, I've started forcing myself. You know, since writing that article, I got a few uh, um, questions about, is, really, is Linux really accessible? So I've started playing around with Linux. I'm actually talking to you from the laptop, which has Linux installed on it. I, I of course, kept my PC around with Windows mm-hmm. so that, you know, when I want to have a quick fallback, I can actually refer to that. So uh, I've, I've been playing around more with, with Orca and, and SpeakUp these days. But uh, in terms of Mac, Mac has VoiceOver, and uh, iOS phones have the same screen reader. It's voiceover and it's a really good one for for so you know because apple doesn't really do screen reading and it's kind of like i would have guessed that it's as good as narrator which is on windows and it sucks because like microsoft doesn't do screen reading like they don't mm-hmm. really have many blind people or or maybe any blind people to code this stuff so what they do is they just start putting something together that just gets the job done but doesn't really do that really well so Ma- Apple has really done a great job with this, and they've uh, so the screen reader is built into the uh, operating system. So when you get an operating system upgrade, your your screen reader upgrades too. So that's really cool. One other thing is that your screen reader doesn't usually crash because it's it's one of the uh, operating system processes. So when it crashes, it can just reliably restart itself. But on Windows and Linux, since screen readers are just other processes. Sometimes when your CPU or memory usage gets up, then your your screen reader starts lagging, which is something that happens a lot when you're using an IDE. So uh, in terms of IDEs, I use uh, Eclipse. And other IDEs are not really accessible much, but um, PHP Storm has been improving because Android Studio has been improving and that, you know, the changes kind of get pushed upstream to the IntelliJ platform. So I'm hoping that PHP Storm gets really uh, 
updated, even though I would have to use a pirated copy because I'm not really allowed to buy this stuff. So I'm just, you know, it, uh, and this is one other issue you have. Uh, you, know, the, you know, I got a comment on my post and it's like, uh, <laughs> well, it's one thing that you're blind, but it's another thing that you're doing this in your own So, <laughs> so right. yeah, being in Iran has its own quirks that you can't really buy anything and you will get blocked if people figure out that you're Iranian. So, uh, why is that? So, yeah. I, I was, I was not understanding that myself. Like whenever I read in your post there, how you had to use a pirated copy of a, of a paid one. I didn't quite get that. Well, why is it like that? Um, well, politics usually, uh, well, for some reason at some point, I don't really even remember why, but at some point our two countries decided that they don't really like each other. So the U.S. started to uh, have these embargoes and sanctions of selling stuff to Iranians. Like, uh, I can't really have a job with a business that um, is working in the U.S. I can't download stuff like Google Code is blocked. And uh, I don't know, like um, Docker, for example, is blocking us. And there is a lot of other websites like SourceForge and um, Apple iTunes and many more. Hmm. It's kind of crazy that um, politics can play, you know, you, when you rewind and you sort of like zoom out from this entire issue, you know, here's someone who has a passion for pro programming, has a, a, a superpower, a feature or a disability, however you want to term it. And they're just trying to get by in life. They're just trying to like forge their own path. And you got these politics that says you can or can't buy something. And it just blows my mind that, that uh, you need a piece of technology that should be accessible to you and because of where you live and because of the politics that don't even really involve you personally affect your long you know your your life it it just astounds me i mean obviously this is the politics show but let's put it out there it's kind of crazy yeah and this is just um the very beginning you know like for example i'm not you know uh, i'm not getting the uh you know when i was back in university i was not getting all the uh you know features that people in the u.s could use like uh, books or or human readers or technology uh you know hardware that i could use so um so kind of it's it's kind of like a, a difficult road and it's not really easy and politics doesn't make it easier so yeah. that's kind of yeah. difficult so that's why as far as i can remember i've been trying to get out of iran because i wanted to uh, have a better reach to affect people but um, let's let me get back to that later. But that's a that's a really big issue. <laughs> what you remarked? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll yeah. IDEs then. Let's, IDEs. Let's let's talk about the technology because you said you know Eclipse is accessible and other IDEs aren't. What are the specific features of Eclipse, or what are the things that make it accessible for a blind person over something like PHP Storm or some sort of uh, some other IDE? Um, well, a really big think is hotkeys and keystrokes and php storm and intellij in general they have a lot of hotkeys so you you don't really face the issue of not being able to uh to do something but the problem is that uh there are a lot of pop-ups and windows in in ids that stay out of your way so you can't really navigate on with the arrow keys on them but they provide uh, useful information. For example, when you focus on a uh, a function or when you hover your mouse on it, you get a pop-up window. I don't really have an idea of where that appears usually, but there's this pop-up that gives you the information of 
the function if you were to call it like the arguments the types of arguments and so on so mm -hmm. so as a blind person i need to have access to this and usually i don't because that's as i said a different window and it's it's there's no way of getting to it so what accessible ids do is that they have this this keystroke to actually focus that window to make your cursor go into that window and eclipse for example has f2 and when you press F2, you get this documentation, you get autocomplete or, or content assist or uh, IntelliSense, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can just navigate on the different items using the upper and down arrow keys. But usually since, again, that happens in another window, when I use up and down arrow keys, I just hear the current line because my screen reader just thinks that I'm trying to move a line. But in fact, I'm not, you know. So... Mm. Um, so this is like when, when people start to work with screen readers, they will see that there, there are a lot of stuff that might work for someone sighted, but they actually hinder the, um, the productivity of someone who's blind. And uh, I think this is where text-based IDs come in, like Emacs and Vim. Uh, I haven't really used Emacs. Um, there is a plugin called Emacs Speak which has been written by TV Raman, who works at Google. And uh, this is kind of like um, a, a speech-enabled interface to Emacs with specialized keystrokes. But um, I've kind of hit this barrier here because I, I need to learn to use Emacs Speak before I can learn to use Emacs, and I need to learn Emacs before I can learn to uh, use Emacs Speak. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to get through that, and I, I will later on write a post about how my experience goes. But for now, uh, I can't really comment on those. Mm -hmm. so I don't really have enough experience here to say that. But, so, I mean, I uh, can't help but think about the, some of the, just the smallest things that maybe aren't, you know, uh, maybe you overcome them quite easier because I don't have any experience with screen readers. I wonder how it even deals with... Uh, like a syntax error, like say you forget a semicolon at the end of your line of code and you don't, and you save it and you go refresh the page and you know, all hell breaks loose. How do you exactly. go about finding, like, how do you go about finding where that is? And does the IDEs, do the screen readers help you find that? How do you do that? Well, usually you would get an, uh, like, I don't know. Do you actually, I, I think IDs highlight that line in red or maybe draw a line under it, but uh, we don't really get that feature. So what we have to do is that um, we actually have to try really hard to not make a syntax error. Okay. <laughs> and when we fail, <laughs> uh, well, some IDEs like um, the the Go Eclipse plugin that is for like the working with the Go programming language. I've seen that one actually um, provide information in that when you, you know, when you, I, I talked about the F2 key. So when you press F2, mm -hmm. it just tells you that, you know, uh, you have an error in this line and, and like the PHP, uh, plugin actually does that too. But the problem is that you need to press F2 on every single line until you get to that line, which gets an error. So mm -hmm. what I usually do is that I, when, when I, uh, well, I've just, um, you know, for the past two years, I've uh, done mostly backend work because I uh, 
you know, understandably, I can't do P, uh, HTML and CSS. So what happens is that when I run the application in the command line, I get this error saying that uh, line 24 is, I don't know, like, uh, like unexpected left brace. And then I figure out, oh, I probably left out the semicolon in there or, right. or something. So I just go to line 24 or check out line 23 and 25, and then it just shows itself usually. You know, um, when you start making syntax errors with a, with a programming language, you kind of figure out what error means what. So after a while, it just becomes a habit. You just opened up a whole new ball of worms for me or whatever that saying is because, I mean, stack traces. Can of worms. Stack traces are almost indistinct. Thank you. Can of worms. Ball of wax. <laughs> uh, mixed metaphors. Stack traces are almost can be indecipherable oh, yeah. when you're staring at them, let alone to have a, a piece of software read you a stack trace. Do you find that to be uh, just completely confounding or do you find it not to be too bad? Um, well, uh, I actually, well, one, one of the very neat features of ScreenReader is, well, there are actually two. Um, but, but the first one is that you can control the mouse. That's really cool. So I can actually focus on a line and then I... I tell my screen reader to bring the mouse pointer here and I can mm -hmm. just tell it to activate the left click uh, functionality on this item. So that's really cool. But the second thing is that most people think of screen readers as a software that just starts reading a window from top to bottom without actually giving you much control. But in reality, you can actually jump around. So what I actually do when it comes to reading stack traces, I just read the first line, well, depending on what language I'm using, like in, in Python, I just read the last line and because that's where the whole right. takes, you know, the whole stack doesn't make sense, but then you read the last line, it's just, oh, okay. But when I wasn't familiar with the Python stack traces, I would just look at that and go, wow, where does this even start? I have no mm -hmm. idea. So so it's more of a habit. And as you need to form a lot of habits as a blind person to get around really fast because there's all this useless information and you have to kind of filter that out because uh it's it's mostly mental. Your your screen reader doesn't do it, your eyes don't do it because there's no highlighting. For example, one thing that you know, I read at five hundred and thirty words per minute right now. It's, it's going up to 550 pretty soon. But, yeah. um, and most people say, wow, that's really amazing. And uh, what I usually point out at this time is that you actually do read more than that. And that's because you have the ability to skim. Like, imagine that you want to have a list of transactions, like 100 transactions in a page, and you want to quickly look at a, a, a list of successful ones, for example. Now, uh, most applications provide the successful ones in green and the failed ones in red. So what you can do is you can just scroll down, have a quick look, and you're like, okay, so most of that is fail. But me, no, I have to go through every single row of that data. And then, uh, you know, the most I can do is just focus on the status column and just tell my screen reader to read that column. So what I hear is like success, success, fail, 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 success. But still, um, there is no way of actually doing that as quickly as you can with, with sight. So um, there is that. I feel like you should um, you should start a live stream or like a Twitch feed or something so people can just watch you do your thing. I think like that would be like just listening to it. I'm just imagining how that goes. 
and I'm probably imagining it wrongly. I don't know, Adam, if you're trying to to do that as well. Um, but I think it'd be, you know, I guess live coding is a thing that's going on nowadays. And people, obviously, with the success of Twitch, you know, people like to sit around on the internet and watch other people do things, whether it's play video games or code. I'd be fascinated to just watch you code for an hour. Um, just FYI. I think in my case... Um well, not my case but in particular. I'm trying to imagine what it's like because Jared, you and I might imagine, and when we when we share our imagination, I guess, or we when we actually imagine our brains, we start to paint it, paint a visual picture. And that's one thing right. I kind of appreciate about those who are blind is because you don't lose you you lose what is your physical sight, but you don't lose your memory sight. And I learned this from Blake Ross actually. I think he he penned a post recently about how everyone has this ability to visually paint a picture in their brain, in their mind. So this, this mind's eye, so to speak, that's where that term came from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I'm curious, Parma, if, if you have that, if the, if you have that ability to paint something in your mind and visually see something in your brain, even though, and I guess maybe it might be hard to really know if that's true for yourself because you've never really seen, so you can't, it's sort of like falsy for you in a way, because uh, you're not really sure if it's true. Um but that's yeah, what I think of yeah, here. I think of it like, you know, I try to imagine myself in in, uh, in his position. I try to imagine what it might be to hear through his process. That's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. like tactic, tactical uh, kind of uh, vibrations or things like that that uh, alert him versus sight. It's kind of a run on about that. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's kind of a really uh, great thing to do. And, and one thing that I usually explain to people to help them, bring, you know, come into my world is... Um, I can't really imagine something I haven't touched before. Whereas you can just look at TV and you see this, I don't know, this this video of a lion. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like what do lions do? They, uh, I don't know, a, a kind of a panda like hanging off a tree or whatever. And you, you don't actually need to touch <laughs> that panda to know what it looks like. But you just need to have an image. But I don't really have that. Um, mm. And I mean, like, if you had, like, this TV that would actually project uh, tactile stuff, yeah. maybe I could have that. But, but you know, the whole mo- model of the world is built around sight. Visual, so, yeah. But yeah, so I can't really, you know, I, vision doesn't really mean the same to me and you. So it's kind of like a, a, a kind of different uh, terminology. Here. But I- on on Jared's note, though, I do think that uh, there is an audience out there who would like to see what you do, even though you can't see it visually. I'm sure there's tons that um, I, I mean, I can I can see how a, a Twitch stream of uh, of what you do could be embraced because you know you may not be able to see it, but others seeing it, seeing how you process things, would inform yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, yeah. empathy for one, a lot of insights into those who are actually leading or building those technologies um, that have sight that can leverage the, the ability to see to inform them. I, I can see that's a pretty awesome thing. And obviously the live, the live side of it's not necessarily required, just even a screencast. I think just watching you interact with your screen reader and to tell it, you know, to instruct it and to, I just feel like that would be a powerful thing to, to behold. Yeah, that that's kind of interesting though, yeah. I actually tried this with livecoding.tv. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an interview, and part of that interview was uh, they asked me to interact with the screen using my uh, screen reader. And okay. a huge issue with ha- we had is the internet speed in Iran is really low, so I can't really mm-hmm. broadcast these 
the screen casting uh, option that you just said is it, really a cool one. I'm actually, uh, I might actually do that. I might do that. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Well, uh, it's uh, it's time for other breaks. So let's uh, let's go ahead and close for that and uh, and take a break. When we come back, I think the some pieces we can focus on is I love we we kind of teased it earlier, but carving your own path. And I think in that section of your post, you talked about how you as you evaluate your path, you evaluate whether or not your blindness will be an asset or uh, or I forget what the other word was uh, that you used, but just basically an asset or to, or you know not liability. What was it a liability? Yeah, it was that's what it was. And uh, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. So let's let's uh, let's break here. We'll come back. We'll talk about kind of some advantages and disadvantages from from your perspective. So let's take that break. We'll be right back. If you're looking for one of the most fastest, efficient SSD cloud servers on the market, look no further than our friends at Linode. You can get a Linode cloud server up and running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. And they've got eight data centers spread across the entire world, North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, and plans start at just 10 bucks a month with hourly billing. Get forward access for more control, run VMs, run containers, run your own private Git server, enjoy native SSD cloud storage, 40 gigabit network, Intel E5 processors. Use the code changelog20 with unlimited uses. Tell your friends it expires later this year so you have plenty of time to use it. Again, use the code changelog20. Head to linode.com slash changelog. All right, we're back with Baram Dustar and uh, you know, this has been an inspiring conversation, I think, because we get to see, uh, I guess, using the bad pun you used before um, to say C, where you said blindly uh, navigating something. You know, it's oh, I'll just restart. because That's just stupid as crap. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, couldn't even talk my way out of that rabbit hole I put myself in, one. man. Dang it. <laughs> but that was a nice one, though. <laughs> that was a nice one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would actually keep that in somehow. That is cool. We'll leave it in then. We won't edit that one out. We'll leave it in because because uh, he said so. So why not? But you know, yeah. we said before the break, you know, carving your own path. We talked about that, and I, I I really appreciated that perspective of your post where, you know, everyone else might look at you, and again, there's that pun, um, but everyone else might uh, you know see what you are and look at uh, the way the way. I can't stop uh, <laughs> describing it in ways that are actually visual. See, it's impossible, at least for me. Right. But right. To, yeah, that makes sense. To read how that. you speak of yourself uh, around your blindness and how you use it and how you've used it to navigate your life, and I, you know, it, it brought a lot of empathy into me with uh, with reading that part because everyone is carving their own path and everyone hits hurdles. Your hurdles are different than ours, but I really appreciated how you uh, how you described your blindness being an asset or a liability to you. Can you talk about how that, uh, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of your blindness and uh, show us some ways it's a superpower and some ways that maybe it's not for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually, I have a post called the advantages of being a blind, blind programmer. And uh, when I actually posted that on Reddit, I actually, I got a comment that said, this just sounds like someone trying to push something that is, you know, negative, something that is a weakness and, and convert it to something that is a positive point. 
whereas it's really not. You're just forcing it to be positive. And mm-hmm. I was actually afraid of that post coming off like that. So I uh, conversed with this person and tried to get their perspective and edited my post so that it doesn't really get this um, attitude. But what we usually don't get is people looking at what they don't have and then um, trying to figure out where they can actually use this lack of whatever they don't have. Well, that, that sounds really uh, complicated, but let me break that down. So tell so me, I don't really have sight. So where can I actually use this lack of sight? Well, um, I could do something that people thought may be impossible because I actually like that kind of thing. So what I do is I just go to, um, I don't know, I go to programming classes or or. In, that, in my case, I just start playing around with programming languages, not because I want to impress people, but because I really like to do this. And, and there, there is no other person around who has done this. And this kind of gives me kind of a, um, you know, uh, uh, a, 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 I just get a kick out of doing stuff that no one has ever done before. So, uh, so I use this fact and then I go forward. So, and what happens is that when I go to an interview here, most of the time, it's like the guy just looks at me. He's like, um, so do you program? I'm like, yeah, I do. And this is like, he's instantly caught. So what I can do is I can use my blindness, which is usually a weakness and turn that into a, con- to, to a you know, instant marketing pitch. You know, mm-hmm. I have my elevator pitch down. I'm like, I am a blind programmer. And that's like, I, you know, everyone goes like, wow. And that's not, I haven't really done anything. I have just done something that people thought was impossible. And it's not, it's not really hard. It's just that no one has ever bothered to do it. So, so that's when uh, your, your weaknesses start to turn to kind of an advantage. It's, it's just that um, when you start having fun, with your life, then you start doing things that might be impossible for others, but you, you just had fun and you just kind of did it without actually knowing that you were doing it. So this is what happened with blindness for me. Um, but it does obviously have its disadvantages. As I said before, you can't really get kind of a great education. You are limited with accessibility tools and accessibility of websites. And, um, for example, when Facebook comes out, you can't really use that for two or three years until they get around to making that accessible. So everything has a positive and negative point, and that's what I'm I'm trying to say because most people just see the negative side, and uh, it does have a lot of positive points. For example, um, another thing that I talk about in my post is how I actually uh, talk to people. So so when you see me, well that pun again mm-hmm. but when you come up to me and you start talking to me then you you have this instant uh connection with me because you start seeing something different so i don't really get out, run out of talking points you know I, whenever someone just comes up to me we can start talking about my blindness which is an instant conversation i don't know like what do you call it it's a um what's the word it's a conversation starter yeah, yeah, or, uh, or icebreaker. Yeah, icebreaker. icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I get a nice instant icebreaker. So, so um, it's a really great thing. And for example, I uh, let me just give you another insight into this. When I actually wrote 
the tools of a blind programmer. I this was my second post, and no one gets sixty thousand views for the second blog post, and that's really uh, great for pushing me to write more. But mm-hmm. well, when sighted programmers are just writing, they're just one other person in that really big sea of programmers. So no one really pays much attention. And they have to write for three or four years until they get to such a view account. But I just did that with writing about myself. I didn't really do something difficult. But so so what I'm saying is that the fact that you're different has its own really uh, overlooked advantages and you need to look at your um, blindness or your whatever you don't have as, as that. So when you don't have the knowledge to do something and when you learn that, you can just start blogging about that because a lot of other people don't really have that knowledge too and they would appreciate your beginner input. So, you know, that that's just another way of looking at the fact that, you know, well, I can't really write about this. I'm so much of a beginner, so I have nothing to say. So you can just take anything and turn that into something positive if you look at it like this. Yeah. You know, hearing, uh, hearing you use visual words too to describe even from yourself, uh, I feel less bad now about doing that, but it also kind of <laughs> gave me a new perspective. And I thought about, um, we use words like see or watch or show. And when we naturally think about them in visual terms, but I think what they really are is a, is a revelation term. You know, if you kind of maybe uh, put the word reveal or revelation in place of most of your visual words, I bet that it changes things because you can have a, revel- a revelation we can have a revelation and we both have different attributes in how we see the world, you know, exactly, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and so it's uh, while, you know, the rest of the, the listening audience might hear that and say, well, those are visual words. They are, but those visual words are actually describing something in a way that are non-visual to me, at least that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, I, I never want to push off from the, um, you know, um, I have this favorite author. His name is James Altucher, and he has written books like um, "Choose Yourself." That that's his his most um, bestseller kind of book. Choose yourself, but, yeah. Yeah, and what he does in that book, he focuses on his failures and his weaknesses, and that that's how he actually tries to get his message across. And uh, that's kind of a new, f- fresh perspective. So. I think and, we all and, do that, you know. I think we all, yeah. you know, we all have our weaknesses, right? I got, I've yeah. got mine. Jared's got his, and you've got yours. Exactly. It just exactly. so happens that yours is is so unable to to hide it. You know, you can't hide your weakness. Whereas exactly. maybe some of our weaknesses are less apparent, and you know, we don't have to lead with that. And what I loved about what you had said there was, um, I'd love to actually hear your elevator's pitch on. Uh, that you that you give to you know anybody about your blindness, but how you lead with that, you know, that's to me that's super cool to like recognize that what would typically be seen as a weakness, you leverage as as the the key feature, right? The selling point of who you are, and I I think yeah. that's exactly how you need to be, honestly, because as you said before earlier in your life, you you were uh, upset that that uh, like it was almost like it was your fault that you were blind or almost like it was, you blamed yourself. I think he even said, and, and now instead, you know, you take what would typically be seen as a, as a negative thing and turn it into a positive thing. And we've said that time and time again on this show where we like to focus on 
the positive side of things. I've said that in different podcasts about myself that I, I don't like to let the negativity come in and, and define who I am. I, I like to focus on the positive side of things and see the positive side of things because the, there's so much negative out there that if you listen to it, it would just drown you. And that's not a way to be. Yeah, I mean, like, listen to music. How many positive music do you hear daily? Like, uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, sometimes you just need to, as you said, focus on the positive to get the energy to wake up. You know, because if you don't, then you're like, okay, so what's the point of getting out of bed today? So I'm just going to, so I don't know, get whatever that happens to me, happen to me anyway. But, you know, I for me, a, a really uh, great turning point in my life to accepting my blindness was the fact that I kind of figured, well, a lot of people might disagree with me here. So sorry, sorry, I don't, I'm not really trying to start a war here, but, and that's not the point. This is kind of a personal thing, but I kind of, when I was 13, I kind of understood, and I still do, that whether or not God exists, it this has nothing to do with my life. Like he is not, I'm afraid to believe that someone or something is controlling my life. And when I actually looked at my life like this, when I actually embraced the fear of someone else controlling my life, this actually uh, made it made its way into my own uh, life in, in allowing others to control me. So it's like I, others can't really define what I can or cannot do. It's only me. Like, I can define what, whether I can or cannot program. If I can program, then great. But if I don't, it's just because I, I didn't try hard enough or I didn't know the solution. It's not that it's impossible. It's just that I, I don't know how to do that. So, so when you look at it like this, when you start taking responsibility for what you do or don't do, it just kind of, it, this is the kind of thing that allows you to go and say, hey, I'm a blind programmer. Hey, just look. You know, this is just uh, as opposed to others who kind of run away from being blind. I had a lot of blind friends before who would even, uh, you know, as children, they would uh, play like they they were, you know, they were sighted. They, they had this, they would act as sighted people just because they were afraid of being blind. You know, like I would even hear things like, I can read this or I can see this, whereas they can't. But as a you know, as far as you're, you're going on like this and you're not accepting your weaknesses, this is not really going to work. So at some point, yeah. you're going to say, okay, I can't do this, right? And this is just what defines me. My, my weaknesses, my strengths, they're what define me. So I might as well just accept them. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all dealt, you know, a specific hand and that hand has, uh, its, has its advantages and its disadvantages. And, and I think many times, you know, certain people and all of us are given to kind of just complain about the hand, you know, like, oh, these cards suck. Um, that's why I'm yeah, failing exactly. or that's why, you know, explaining, yeah. excusing away as opposed to saying, well, these are the, this, the, these are the cards I got. And so I need to go out there and, and do my best with the, the hand that was dealt to me. So I think in that regard, you're a shining success story of somebody who said, so I'm blind. I'm going to be a programmer anyways, and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make a life, you know, uh, of something that I want to do despite all of the drawbacks of this particular disadvantage. So uh, in that way, I would say you're, you're super inspiring. So thanks so much yeah. for sharing that with us. We're going to get to closing out here. So um, let's do a couple of our closing questions. And the first one is programming hero. So 
Um, no doubt there's people that you in the community that you look up to, maybe a mentor, maybe somebody else um, who's inspired you to want to be a better developer. Um, so if we had to ask you, who's your programming hero and why, what would you say? Um, Uncle Bob, because he actually showed me the, um, well, I read his book called Clean Coder, not Clean Code, when I was in a, a, a company, a startup that was failing because the, the uh, software team didn't know how to act. So the, his book came at the time when I was actually ready to hear that kind of thing. So uh, uh, he changed me as a person. His book actually did. So uh, both in terms of uh, programming, his clean code book, and his clean coder book in terms of personality. So I, I really got affected a lot by his book, and I really thank him. I haven't really got to talk to him, but... If he listens to this, I'm really glad that I read his book. Very cool. That's not the first time we've heard Uncle Bob, is it, Jared? Nope. At least once or twice. Maybe three times. Yeah, he, he actually taught me a lot about architecture, which is kind of something like I something that I focus on a lot when writing code. And uh, the fact that I need uh, to, the functions and statements to be really small to understand them, it kind of helped me build that kind of architecture. So my functions are like six or seven lines only because I that's how much I understand, you know, because if a function gets too long, then I get confused because I can only mm. focus on one line at a time. So couple these two together and I'm I'm pretty much a really great architecture builder. Huh. That's awesome. <laughs> but, now that's like that's a that's an objective, like that's a distinct advantage there of your disability. Because yeah, you your go. necessity for simplicity <laughs> ends up producing better software. Add that one to your blog post. Go ahead and throw that one in. Yeah. Okay. Blog, blog all with that. That's, that's actually that's a really a good, good point. <laughs> but it also uh, reminds people why, too. You know, like, I was actually going to say uh, in a funny way, like, uh, you should be programming Ruby then, not uh, PHP. But because it's so expressive and tends to be very succinct in its, uh, in its form. But you're a PHP yeah. developer. Yeah, I, I actually dabbled with all kinds of programming languages, and I really love Ruby because it's really so expressive. I love expressive languages, and um, it's just that I haven't really got a chance to use that at my job, so I don't really list that in my resume, right. but I've, I've, loved, I've used a lot of programming languages. Our next question we, uh, we tend to ask at the end of shows, which we haven't done recently, but uh, we're getting back to it, is, uh, you know, we obviously our roots are in open source. It's sort of the... The crux of this show is is this bend towards and this influence towards the the community of open source software, the idea of open source software, and those who are actively creating it, maintaining it, supporting it, doing it, all those good things. Um, and so, in this case, we like to ask someone what's on their radar. And so, in this case, you know, if you had a free weekend and you're like, man, you know what, I'm going to play with this new thing or whatever it might be, or what's something that's fresh on your plate that's something that's open source or some sort of technology out there that you would like to, to hack on more if you had more time? Um, Docker is one of those technologies that I really want to try. And I haven't really gotten around to doing that because, uh, I, I, because um, I, you know, we have been blocked by uh, the, do the um, Docker team because, well, they kind of just have to block Iranian traffic. But I'm trying to figure out the way to get through that blockage and I've kind of success, you know, I've got a success so far. So uh, 
when I do get the free weekend, I want to play around with Docker in, in allow, creating a, an environment for development, not just for production, because our team here has a lot of issues in creating development environments. And I'm kind of the guy that does R&D all the time because I can really read fast and type fast. So uh, that's one thing that I really want to, you know, uh, read more about and do more about. And because Docker has a really huge community building effort. And I, I really like that. And even the Go community, you know, the Go programming language is doing a lot in building community too. And I, I like projects that are community driven because they kind of bring in a different kind of uh, outlook from every kind of person that joins. So they're really great. Uh, you can actually see this kind of difference in look at looking at community in, in the PHP frameworks. For example, compare Laravel, which became really popular really fast to Symfony, which has been around for ages and is losing like users to Laravel, even though Laravel is much simpler and, and uh, well, it doesn't really have as many features and it's not really great for writing great code. It doesn't really force you to write great code, but a lot of people are doing uh, Laravel because it is building a lot of community. And uh, that's really a huge thing in open source. And I, I hope that people start moving toward uh, building a community about the tools that they are spending their nights and days and I don't know, midnights coding. I've never had the ability to kind of contribute to open source because I never get the time. And I, I have no idea how people do that. So that might be something that I might have to figure out on another weekend, right? I've seen your uh, recent uh, activity on GitHub and you've gotten some uh, commits at some point back to uh, uh, NVDA, which is the the screen reader you mentioned earlier, that's open source. I've seen that you got some commits back to that, and some contributions to uh, Vagrant Vega and Vega and Machinery. So I mean, it seems like you're getting some time there, but uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that Iranian companies don't really reward you for contributing to open source, so you can't really get that as part of your job. Right. So they they even try to uh, get you to not contribute to open source at all. So I don't really get the time to do that as part of my job. If I do that, it's because I just have to do that at home. Right. So, so yeah, and when I get home, I'm, I'm just going to get my wedding ready soon. It's like in two weeks. So, and, and I'm oh, really yes. trying to, yay. <laughs> and I'm trying to uh, get job interviews to be able to relocate. And so I'm trying to handle a lot of things and I wonder how people just handle these stuff and, yeah. Oh, there's so lots of people really we've had on the show where uh, Jared and Ali, we have no idea how you do it, and uh, somehow they do. Yeah, that, they're awesome. All of them are awesome. Well, so Barmas, thanks to all of you open source contributors. Absolutely. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I know that, uh, as Jared and I said, you're an inspiration to many, and uh, we look forward to hearing more of your story through your blog. And, you know, obviously, we're excited about your wedding coming up here in a couple of weeks. So, congrats. Uh, uh, on that change in your life and, and good luck, obviously, because marriage is awesome. Um, but uh, is there anything else you want to close with? Anything else you want to share with our audience before uh, before we close out the show? Um, I just want to thank everyone to uh, for wanting to know more about how blindness works and, and how different people work. It has been really uh, a rewarding experience to share and get such a great feedback from everyone because we could just go in the I don't care mode. 
mode yeah. and uh, I don't care. I don't know. I have a lot of stuff to do. But uh, the fact that we want to know more about ourselves and, and different people, it, it's really a, a rewarding experience. And I thank you all for being so curious. And I hope to be able to share more of my story with everyone so that uh, we can learn more about ourselves. You know, most of the time I've, I have been the one that is learning about sighted people. But I think now I've gotten to a stage where I can just uh, show a few points to sighted people so they could do the reverse. Very cool. And we'll, uh, if you're a subscriber to Change Law Weekly, uh, we'll link up. I think we have actually in the radar right now one of your posts in there. So if you have any more future posts that uh, we think should be shared, we'll include them in the Change Law Weekly. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go to Change Law Weekly. Or it's actually not Change Law Weekly. It's changelog.com slash weekly. We should own changelogweekly.com, but that's that's just too many domains here. We don't like that. We're anti-many domains. We want one single domain. Uh, but uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And those members out there who support us, we think you're awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, if you haven't heard, we do have a uh, community membership where you can support what we do right here at the Changelog and also join uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. We give you an all-access pass, everything we're doing, uh, our members only the Slack room, uh, 50% off in our store, which includes one t-shirt now, but many t-shirts in the near future, so take advantage of that. And also offers from our favorite uh, sponsors and partners that work with us. We give you deeper discounts that you can never get anywhere else by supporting us. It's just 20 bucks a year changelaw.com slash membership check that out uh but uh, thanks for tuning in this week so it's time to say goodbye so let's uh let's do that goodbye bye